0: Good morning, Relentless Church. How are you all? I am. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Not necessarily excited about the circumstances uh, that brought me here, but uh, I'm. I'm excited to be here uh, for several reasons. Uh, One, that was that was awesome to the worship team there. Can we just yes? That was um, that was awesome. Uh, It it reminded me last night um, we were out with the family. And I had to uh, stop by Walmart on the way home. And uh, I told my, I have a six year old. And uh, I knew he was going to drive everybody in the car crazy while I was in the store. So I said, hey, buddy, I'm going to go in the store. Uh, time me, right? So now he's, he's got something to do. And uh, I got back in the car and I said, how long did it take? And he said, uh, it took 211. I don't know exactly what that means, but I, it took me 211 to get back. Uh, and then he said, Daddy? I'm wore out. That was a lot of counting. That's what I felt like after worship. Like that, that was awesome. It was, but I almost forgot that I was supposed to come up here um, because I was already, what's next? That was, that was so good, Uh, man. And um, we're going to talk about the presence of God this morning. And I didn't tell anybody that here, um, but y'all mentioned it on stage multiple times. Kim prayed about the presence of God and uh, how she felt that this morning when we were praying beforehand. Um, Man, the presence of God is something. It is, it is something powerful and special that uh, we are privileged to be able to walk into and live in. Um, before I get to that, though, I just want to say thank you to you all as a church uh, for the way that you have loved and taken care of my brother and his family. Uh, this has this uh, been a rough eight weeks, and um, they have been so well taken care of, um, it's just, from a distance, there wasn't a lot I could do, but it was awesome to, in the midst of that, to know there's not a lot for me to do because you know, things are being taken care of. Um, I've been a pastor most of my adult life, and so I know a lot of pastors. Um, a vast majority of the pastors that I know are dealing with difficult things because of the church that they lead. Um, and it is, it is so heartwarming to know that my brother is dealing with difficult things and being loved by the church that he leads. Uh, That is is such a gift that you are giving to him and to his family and to me and to the kingdom of God. Um, It it is just, so I just want to say thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for everything that you have done, whether it was prayers or meals or words or texts or whatever. Uh, Thank you for being literally God's hands and feet. Um, in, in this moment, um, with, we will never know this, right? But I truly don't know what story we would be telling today if it weren't out for your prayers and for all those who have been praying uh, for David. Um, what Raph said about prayer is, is so, so true. Uh, we get to talk to the creator of the universe, and he listens to us, and he acts based on our prayers and our requests. Um, again, the privilege that, that, that comes with that is, is significant. Uh, let, me, let, let me pray, and then uh, let's, let's jump into God's Word. Father God, Lord, I, I just want to take a moment and, and breathe. And just know that uh, you are in that breath, that that is your breath. that goes in and out of our lungs that gives us life. This is your world that we are living in, that you created. These are are your bodies that you molded, that you put together. God, I I pray that, um, that we can learn to live in what is yours and to let go of what we are trying to build on our own. God, open our eyes and our hearts and our souls to what you would want our life to be. Not just individually, but together as, as your body, as your family. God, I pray for the next couple minutes that you would speak through me, that, that your truth would um, overwhelm our hearts and, and lead us to, to draw closer to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, um, I wish I could, I, I wanted to start off with something um, exciting and fun. Um, I like to start off with telling jokes sometimes, but it just wasn't where I felt like, at least where I'm at right now. Um, I, I saw a cartoon online recently with uh, um, a set of double doors, and on them was labeled 2023, and there was somebody like standing way back away from that around a corner with a stick, like poking it open to see, all right, do we, wanna, do we really want to go through these doors or not? I, I think uh, there's probably some people that can identify with that. I know I can. Um, I uh, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible is, is Psalm 103. It, it is such a beautiful expression of God's love for us. I go back to it over and over again, just, just when I want to be reminded, or I need to be reminded, uh, that God loves us and, and God has redeemed us. And one of the phrases in there is that God has redeemed us from the pit. That's also um, translated death. That God has redeemed us from death. And I, I was reading that this week, and uh, it struck me that you know what well, that pit that it's talking about that He redeems us from the death that He redeems us from is this world. Like we live in a world of death. That this world, anything that is not redeemed by the blood of Jesus is dead. And we live amongst death all the time. We live amongst struggle. We, we live in the pit. That, that, that's where we are. And that's not where we're going to be forever. Because of the blood of Jesus, we get to, to have this hope that there will be life without struggle one day. But that day isn't today. And we and the, and the rest of this world live in that pit that, that God is wanting to redeem us from. And, you know, we can drive a nice car around in the pit. We can live in a nice house and... Rock jays and all kinds of other kind of stuff. But it's still the pit. It, it, it's still struggle. It's it's still difficult. And I think sometimes it is hard for us as Christians to live in this, this difference between spending moments like we just spent in, in, in worship and praise of God and, and being drawn into the presence of God. And then opening our eyes and seeing death and struggle and brokenness and pain around us. It's hard to live in those two, two places. I can't imagine what it's like for God who created this world, who has a, a very clear vision of what he intended this world to be, but sees what we're living in constantly. You know, life just isn't supposed to be like this, but it is. I did some research. I actually had to stop because it was depressing about mental health, and I, I, I teach a, a Christian school, and so I see teenagers every day and see what they're dealing with, and, and it's, it's getting worse, right? When we talk about the pit, there's so many people that are struggling in this world. They don't have answers. We just came out of this season where we're celebrating, where we're talking about peace on earth, but I, I found these lyrics to a, a Christmas song called Do You Hear the Bells on Christmas Day? And the third verse in there says, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I don't know about you, but I can identify with that. And sometimes what I see doesn't match the peace on earth that the Christmas season promises Now that we're all um, excited, right, there is hope, right? In the midst of that, I I don't want to sugarcoat that and say, hey, if you will come to Jesus, if you'll just put your faith in Jesus, everything is going to be okay because it's not. You're still going to have struggle. There's still going to be phone calls that you get that you wish you never had to get. There's still going to be news that you find out. You're still going to have struggles. Things are not going to go your way. But there's life in the midst of that struggle because of Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today. My whole life, I was told that my body is the temple of God, that God lives in my body. That's why I shouldn't eat McDonald's. That's why I shouldn't smoke and do all that other stuff, because this is the the temple of God. And that is true. That is in scripture. Uh, It does say that. But more often in scripture, it actually says that this is the temple of God. I don't mean a Sunday morning gathering, I mean God's people in community together. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that you together, not you individually, you together are the temple of God. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says that we together, we are the temple of God. You know what the temple of God is? What, what What that meant, what that was referring to was the place where the presence of God Dwelled. We are the dwelling place of the presence of God. The reality is, we don't have peace in this world a lot of times because we don't have the presence of God. Now, I do not want to stand in judgment. If you are dealing with mental health issues, if you are anxious, if you are depressed, if you have bad things going on, that does not mean that God has abandoned you. You can be a fully committed, fully surrendered follower of Jesus and have depression and have anxiety and have bad things happen to you. But in the midst of that, God's presence can bring peace. And it will bring peace if we will let it. But we've got to be uh, together. We're going to look at Ephesians um, chapter 2 today. And um, You don't have to put it up there yet. Um, I was doing some research as I was preparing for this the other day, and um, one of the um, theologians that I was reading talked about Ephesians as a relentlessly relational book in the Bible. I thought that was appropriate that I would be sharing that with relentless church. That this, this, this book is relentlessly relational. What it's saying is it's talking about the church without saying the word church a whole lot in, in that letter. It's talking about us together though and how we are supposed to be bound together by God and doing this together in relation. And you can't really separate being a Christian from being with Christians. In fact, if, if you want to experience God's presence, you need to be with God's people. There is no real other way to consistently experience God's presence outside of God's people when we look at what the Bible teaches us. So today I, I want to look at Ephesians uh, chapter 2, and we're going to be uh, mainly in verses 19 through 22, but I, I want to walk through a little bit before that. Um, first of all, it says, um, or it talks about this idea that we don't have peace, that we are separated um from God. In verse 13, if you want to throw that up there now, it says that, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now this is specifically talking about Gentiles. Uh, This part of Ephesians is talking about how Jews and Gentiles were once separated. The Jews were God's chosen people and the Gentiles were not part of God's plan at that moment, but that through the blood of Jesus, they have both been brought together. So It doesn't matter if we're Jews or Gentiles, though, that we can apply this to the reality of our life, that if we are with Jesus, it is because of the blood of Jesus. If we experience the presence of God, it is because of the blood of Jesus, who has brought us from being separated and far from him into a relationship with him. Christ Jesus, um, but in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And I I love... only been here a couple times, but I've heard stories about you all. Um, and I know just from even talking with, with some of you this summer when I was here, that there are those of you who grew up in the church and you knew it was right, right? And, and, and you knew that God was there and you knew that God loved you. And you just needed a little bit of a nudge to take that final step to really surrender to Jesus. And then I know there's some that are part of this, this fellowship that, that needed a whole lot more than a little bit of a nudge. That were, that were far from God, that didn't believe God existed, much less cared about you. You had to you know, stretch and um, you know, hydrate because it was gonna be a long run before you got to the place where you could take that final step of faith. And those who were close and those who were far off have come together in one beautiful body to serve and, and to worship God. We're all the same. I grew up in church, and I I literally don't remember a Sunday where we didn't go to church um, if we were home. Like, if we were traveling, we didn't go to church. But if we were home, we may have missed some Sundays. I don't know. David has a better memory than me. He He could tell you for sure. But you know what? Jesus didn't have to die more for those who didn't grow up in church than he did for me. Like we're all the same. I need the grace of God just as much as anybody else. No more, no less. It is is still, I fall on my knees at the the foot of the cross and that is my only hope of salvation. That that is our only hope of salvation together. We are the same no matter what our backgrounds are, no matter what path we've been on, no matter what we did yesterday or what we will do tomorrow that falls short of, of God's standards. We need the grace of God and the grace of God is there for us all of us from who started out far away who started out close but we are separated from the presence of God without the blood of Jesus but with the blood of Jesus it says in verse 14 that for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility he is our peace When we want peace in this earth, it's not going to come from getting the job that you want. It's not going to come from uh, getting in or getting out of the relationship that uh, you are struggling with. It it is not going to come from hitting this milestone or doing this thing or anything that you do. Peace comes from Jesus. Real peace comes from Jesus and nowhere else. Any other peace is fake. And here's what I mean by fake. You may feel good in a moment or two doing this or doing that, but it won't last. It won't last. Jesus is the only one that offers peace for eternity. Peace that can overcome and that will outlast all the struggles of this world. It only comes from Jesus. He is our peace. Now, we have to be, when we talk about peace, uh, sometimes we can um, distort what the Bible is talking about here. So almost every time that it says peace in the Bible, it is a word uh, shalom. And shalom did not mean uh, what we call today negative peace, the absence of conflict. It meant positive peace, which is the presence of God and his truth. So when we talk about peace, we need to understand that Jesus caused all kinds of conflict. Right? Jesus wrecked all kinds of stuff and he brought peace at the same time. And so we have to be willing, if we want peace, for God to break some stuff in us, for God to to rip some stuff out of our hands that maybe we're holding on to too tightly. We have to be ready for that. So when it talks about peace, it is a positive peace, not a negative peace, the presence of God, not the absence of negative feelings. So then um, if you'll throw up verses 17 and 18, It says that uh, he came and preached peace to you, this is Jesus, who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We're the same, all right? We're the same, it doesn't matter our backgrounds, it doesn't matter, uh, all that stuff. We're the same, we have the same access um, to God. Is that uh, that verse 18? Yes, okay, Um, sorry. (laughs) So... He preached peace, access to God. That's what, that's what he is offering. So now I want, I want to look at verses 19 through 22. This, when I really understood this, it, it really changed the way that I viewed the church and viewed my relationship to people. It says there, "'So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, "'but you are fellow citizens with the saints "'and members of the household of God, "'built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets.'" Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And when we talk about cornerstone, this is in the, in the ancient world when they built something, in this, this context, the cornerstone was laid down first. And it wasn't just like the first thing that went down, it was what determined everything else. All the lines, everything else was gonna be based on where this stone was placed. And so when it says that Jesus is our cornerstone, it means that everything in our life is based on what we believe and how we treat Jesus. How we act with our family, what job we have, where we live, how we talk to people, how we respond at our, our ch- kids' ball games. I'm talking to myself there. How we respond when our favorite team loses. I'm talking to myself there too, right? Everything is based on Jesus. This is not the cornerstone where, hey, my life's built on Jesus, now it's there, so I don't have to worry about it, and I can go do whatever I want to because Jesus is my cornerstone. No, it is Jesus is my cornerstone, so everything is rooted and tied back to him, and anything that is not is going to cause damage to what's built on top of that. And so if we want to say Jesus is our cornerstone and then build a wall out here that isn't based on him, that wall is going to fall down. It's going to cause problems. Everything has to be built on Jesus if he is the cornerstone. So then it says, in whom the whole structure being joined, joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Will you go back one? Sorry. Um, th- this is the, the part that I, I really wanted to, um, to, to focus on. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And then he says this, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You, together, are being built into a dwelling place for God. I know, gosh, I teach at a Christian school, and by that I mean that um, the staff and our mission is Christian and the vast majority of students are not. And, And they will say, well, I believe in God, I just don't go to church. I hear that all the time. I, and I, in the community, when I'm doing stuff, when I meet people in the community and they find out that I'm connected to something Christian, they'll say, oh, I believe in God. I just don't go to church. I don't think you have to go to church. And I, look, we're here on a Sunday morning. This is powerful. This is good. This is, um, if this is the extent of your going to church, you're not going to church. All right? when, when the Bible says that we should um, come together, right? coming in um, after the first song and leaving as soon as the dismissal is done is not being part of the body. If, if all I do is stand up here and talk, and y'all listen, and then you go watch football today, then this is just a clanging symbol that, that God is, does not have a whole lot of patience for. The church is when we come together, is when we are known by each other, and we know each other, and we care about each other, and we are strength for each other, and we celebrate each other, and we cry together. We laugh together, we sing together and life is done together. And if you want to experience the presence of God, you have got to be in relationship with God's people. The Bible talks about this. We are together, the temple. When we come together, we are the temple. We are the dwelling place of God. You know what that also means? Is that when you decide to not be a part of the body, you are a brick that is missing in the temple. You are making the structure of the church weaker because God needs you to be in relationship with other people. You need other people for you. And here's the most powerful part is other people need you. God made you special, unique. And the the body of Christ needs you. I I do recognize, by the way, that I'm preaching to people who are at church, right? So I know y'all get this sometimes I think that we don't realize, like we can, we can start thinking, hey, it becomes a pattern. It's something I do. Oh, this is what we are. This is, this is what we are called to be. And the goal of this, so so often I think we're so like results oriented. What's the return on investment? If I do this, what am I going to get for it? The return, what you get for being a part of the body of Christ it's to be a part of the body of Christ. This is the goal. that God doesn't have something else like if you do this, then this. No, the goal is to get you to be a part of the body of Christ. The whole Old Testament, God is working. He is preparing. He's preparing the way for Jesus to come. And then Jesus comes and he lives and he teaches. He lives this perfect life so he can be the perfect lamb. And he died on the cross for us. He took our sins and he died on the cross with our sins on him. And he laid in the tomb for three days and then he rose again, conquering death and conquering sin and said, now all of you come into my presence. Come into the presence of your father who created you. That's the goal. That we get to be in the presence of God together. Now, is there, there, there's gonna be stuff that happens because of that hopefully more people come into the presence of God with us. But the goal is for us to experience the beauty and the love of God together. That's the whole thing. That's the central thing that Jesus died for. If you can throw up uh, Ephesians 3.10, this is a chapter later, the next chapter. Paul says that, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. If you want to study that on your own, it's a fascinating study. All I'm going to say this morning is that the role of the church is not just to sit together in a room for an hour a week, but that, that we are displaying the grandness of God to things beyond what our physical eyes can see and our physical bodies can experience. But that word, it says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. That word for manifold is like this multicolored, multifaceted, when you shine a light in a diamond and all these different colors come out of it. That's that's what it's talking about. Or a field of flowers that have so many colors you can't describe it all. That's the manifold wisdom. Um, wisdom of God. And it is so exciting to be at a church that, that reflects that, that reflects the different parts of, of our society, because that is the kingdom of God. And here's the, the reality. When we talk about being in the presence of God, because we are in the presence of God's people, we have to understand that that's all of God's people. The manifold wisdom of God requires that we embrace the presence and and relationships with people who are not just like us. And here's the thing, when you you, you walk through those doors, when you gather with people, there is no requirement. In, In fact, it is against what God desires if you try to fit in with the crowd, if you try to be like everybody else. We were all made different. And so when we come together as God's people to enjoy the presence of God together, we have to come as different people. We have to be different because that's honest. That's reality. And God does not want to change that. And while we are different and while we have different perspectives and different experiences and different thoughts and different reactions and different ways of engaging and different ways of of, uh, connecting with God and serving God, all those things, we need to hold on to those differences, but we have to be together. We have to do that together. We have to live with those differences together so that we can experience the presence of God, so that we together can be that dwelling place for God. This is where some things, there is both gonna be destruction and construction in our spiritual life. Because to be together, we're gonna have to let go of some things in the past. We're gonna let, have to let go of some cultural things that we're holding on to. We're gonna have to let go of maybe some things that make us comfortable, but that aren't the gospel. We're gonna have to let go and let God tear down some of those walls so that he can bind us with people, so that he can, that he can truly make us into a community. And so when we are willing to let go of things that are not the gospel and hold on to those those people that are the presence of God, are dwelling in the presence of God with us, God begins to build this temple. And I don't know what that means, but I know I want to be a part of that. I know life is better in that setting than it is by myself. The reality for the church, though, and I don't think I'm saying anything that's going to surprise anybody. Um, the reality for Christianity in America, at least, is that too often we have, we have done the, the same thing that the Israelites did. We have taken the presence of God and we have allowed it to make us arrogant. And we've said, look, I, I have been in the presence of God. So I cannot hang out with you anymore. I have been in the presence of God. I am favored by God. I am blah, 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 blah. And we allow this gift this privilege that god has given us that that where he opened the doors up to let us experience him we've allowed that privilege to make us arrogant and then arrogance leads to isolation because i only want to be around the people who are as good as i am and so let me get in a little holy huddle with all the people who agree with me so that we can talk about jesus and but mainly we're going to talk about how jesus loves us more than everybody else and that's not the church So what what the gospel should do is it should break all of that down. And instead of making us arrogant, it should make us ambassadors. Where we say, oh my gosh, I get to be part, I get to to sit and dwell in the presence of God. I've got a community of people who love me. I've got to tell people about this. Other people have to know about the love of God because this is amazing, and we become ambassadors for what Jesus did for us, for what God is doing and what God is building in our community. We become ambassadors for the truth. I I said at the beginning, um, that song, um, I Hear the Bells on Christmas Morning, and that that was a—that's not what you would expect in a Christmas song, Right? To say that uh, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And we can point to a lot of things in life today that say, you know, he was right. The guy that wrote that, wrote that during the Civil War. There's still a lot of things that we can point to that say that that is correct. But the song ends with hope. And it talks, and it says, you know what, I, I can hear the bells on Christmas morning. I can hear them. And I think when we desire the presence of God, we begin to be able to hear those bells ringing loudly. I I heard those bells. I hear those bells when I get texts about people bringing David and Kelly and the family food, doing yard work, praying for them, just texting scripture and encouraging them doing all the stuff around here that I don't even know what has to get done, but seems like it's all gotten done, right? I'm sure David was supposed to do some of that and he, he couldn't and, and other people stepped up. Like that's the, the hope is us as a community, right? And so when we do those things, when we walk the way that God wants us to walk, when we love others, the way that God wants us to love others. I think that's where we see the the presence of God, where we feel the presence of God. I've had moments in my life where I've been absolutely alone and have felt the presence of God. Without a doubt, that happens. But if you took out everything, like all the relationships that I've had with people throughout my life, 99% of the growth that I've had in Christ would be gone. I grow, I learn, I'm challenged by people, by community, by the church. Because you know what? I don't know, you may be different than me, but there's very little chance that when I'm by myself, that I'm gonna critique myself. Like if I just talk to myself, I'm gonna be pretty proud. I think I nailed that. But then I talk to other people and like, well, let's, let's talk about that, Chris. We grow together. The presence of God, not the presence of God that just makes us feel like everything's awesome and we can just drink hot chocolate and, and be comfortable for the rest of the life. But the, the presence of God that is powerful, that is real, that moves us closer to the kingdom of God is experienced in relationships with people. And you, honestly, I think you guys are, are doing this well. So I I want to encourage you in that. You guys are are representing the kingdom of God well. And like that verse 10 in chapter three said, not just to each other, but to the world and to the universe and to the powers uh, beyond what we can see. I want to end just by saying this. I think there there is peace in God's people. And there's peace in God's people because there is truth in God's people. There's truth in God's people because there is Christ in God's people. It is never about us. It is never about the things that we do, the things that we try to to manipulate and and coerce and and build on our own. It is about the blood of Jesus Christ. And if if, if you know Jesus as Savior, that's the first step. Know God's people. Be part of the dwelling of God's presence by being intimately connected with God's people. And you will know the presence of God in a deeper and more significant way. Is something after me or am I I it? I'm it? Okay. Well then, uh, let me pray. Let me pray and uh, we can go be the presence of God to a world that is uh, without peace. Father God, uh, thank you so much. We don't deserve you. <laughs> we will work for a thousand lifetimes and never earn um, the grace that you've given us. God, I, I, I just thank you for this body here. I thank you for the connections. I thank you for the love. I thank you for the people that are your people, that are here because they want to know you and they want to grow in you. Lord, I, I pray for everybody who is here in the the things that are going on in their life, Lord, that your people can, can rally around them. That if there's somebody here that, that needs a shoulder to cry on, if there's somebody here that uh, needs to be celebrated, if there's somebody here that just needs the, your presence felt by their community, Lord, that, that, that you would send people around them. God, I, I thank you for uh, the victories that are real in this world, that are real in this life because this community prays and loves the way that you uh, have asked us to. Lord, I know that the enemy has plans for our destruction and the enemy is consistently frustrated because this group of people says, no, you're not gonna win. We're gonna trust God and we're gonna show faith and we're gonna rally together. Thank you, God, for the power in that. Lord, I pray that as the enemy continues to attack, that this community will continue to trust and will continue to love and continue to be together. Protect us, Lord, from the lies, the tricks um, that the enemy lays at our feet. Lord, I I pray that your presence would drive us, that your presence would be enough, that we wouldn't get in your presence and say, God, what, what else do you have? But that that, that Your presence would be enough for us. God, thank You. Let us go out into the world that needs to know You and be ambassadors for Your presence. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.